I am pumped to be collaborating with Rotoballer for the 2021 baseball season. My Draft Champions podcast will be joining the Rotoballer radio podcast network. For a while now, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis, tools, and player news. The site and the team is bigger and better than ever, with articles, tools, and podcasts for everyone, including contributions from me. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Draft Champions listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code CHAMPIONS. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros, accuracy rankers, Nick Mariano and Ariel Cohen. Both Nick and Ariel's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer Premium Draft Kit. Along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, more than 300 player outlooks, and tons of great draft tools and in-season tools. All of this premium fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code CHAMPIONS. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash radio, get your premium pass today, and win big in 2021. Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here with the War Dog. How you doing? What's up, brother? What's going on, my man? You ready for this hectic draft season or what? Well, I've been I've been living it. How about yourself? Well, I just uh, got in the flow actually drafting this past Saturday. I, I've completed uh, three main event drafts, spent the last few months prepping, but I did not do any drafting. That's a lot of prep for um, just a short amount of time. So it's like sort of like the saying: you can, um, if, if you uh, tell if you if you need to do something, you're going to spend five hours sharpening the axe and one hour actually chopping down the tree or whatever. However it goes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not really. I'm the worst when it comes to, to nailing those sayings. They always uh, uh, make fun of me. So uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I just butchered it. Um, so you're you uh, on Twitter. You're at I am the War Dog, right? Yes, sir. So that's where everyone that um, hasn't followed you yet should follow you. And um, you play in the NFBC, as you were saying, and you play, and you've done, and you've done three main events so far. How'd they go? Um, I've done three. And actually I, 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 <laughs> I was working out of the gym this morning and uh, I just got tempted. So I, I'm entering a fourth one that's going to be drafting on Saturday. But that's on it. Sat- on Saturday. Okay. Uh, you know what I got? I, I, I got tempted again. I told you I'm doing one. I, I got tempted into a second one on the 30th. Oh, because so you're doing one tomorrow, you told me, right? Yeah, I'm doing one tomorrow. Then I'm doing one on the 30th, uh, my second one. Um, how did they go? I, I think that... Um... 
Wait, what, what no. day is the 30th? 30th is? 30th would be a Tuesday. A Tuesday, yeah. I think they've gone uh, better in succession each one. The, the three that you've done, so this this the next one's gonna get, get it's gonna get even better. I think it's gonna get even better. But you know, let, let me let me say this. Um, I I started playing. My first NFPC league was in two thousand. I want to say it was two thousand ten uh, or eleven. I think it was two thousand ten. But one of the, I think two thousand eleven, I did the double play live event. At the Bellagio, so that's the first time I got to meet um, Greg in person. I had spoken to him on the phone prior, and um, it might have been in 2009. I might have done one of those other online. I think I did an online championship in 2009. I was in El Paso uh, at Fort Bliss, Texas, and then I remember 2012. I did the uh, what was the time called the NFPC 12. It was a $1,000 12 team competition. Right. And I did that while I was in Afghanistan and I was really kind of in the fight. My pitching was terrible, but I start off that year drafting Ryan Braun the first and taking Mike Trout in the 29th or 30th. Oh, no way. So those two guys were just like everyday combo meals all day long, you know, and it got my taste up. So when I got back from Afghanistan in 2013, I decided to enter the main event and I double dipped by entering two main events that year. And I loved this so much. I did not do well the first couple of years in the main event, but I loved this so much that I have not really gone back to a 12-team format since. Like, my mind is only on 15-team format. I've done a bunch of draft champions over the years. Um, I haven't done – I didn't do any this year. Right. And I, I, I've come to realize, I think, that one of the reasons is I've identified my strengths and weaknesses in playing. And I think one of – my biggest strength is in-season management, uh, fab especially, and understanding how to, how to manipulate the standings and my lack of interest in football, which is really <laughs> better from August, September. I'm telling you, every year, if I'm in the, if I'm in the fight uh, late, at least, you know, from uh, especially in 2017 and 19, uh, I, I've made huge runs. I even made a huge, a, a late run in 2018, but I was gone seven weeks playing Survivor, I, I left I left my four teams to four different individuals to see if they could just maintain for seven weeks and none of them accomplished the goal. Just, I was going to ask you, like, I didn't even, I, I would assume that you wouldn't have even played that year. Well, I didn't know, I didn't know it was going to make, I didn't know it was going to be on the season until uh, nuts. <laughs> until late April and I was not going to miss the baseball season. Uh, but it's I was able to, get, it's, it's uh, interesting, but I was able to get a couple of my main event teams. I only had two main event teams that year. I was able to get them still somehow into the top half of the field by making late pushes. I'm telling you, uh, last year was a little different. Last year, I had six teams. Three of them were in the top uh, third in the overall, but none placed. Uh, They finished fourth, fourth, and fifth in the league, and three of them were not good. Um, But it was a different animal, I think, because everybody was into it until the end, right? It was a 10-week season, nine-and-a-half-week season. So nobody really lost sight of the goal. And I'm telling you, every year, people lose sight in August and September. Yeah. They just, they, so, they, they, they I, was thinking, I was thinking about that today because like, obviously like, it seems like you're a, ba- a baseball basketball guy and not, not yeah, a football guy after what you've told me now. And fantasy, like I think just, just, talk, just meeting all the different uh, individuals playing fantasy in the NFC fantasy baseball, like everyone just seems so smart. Like for, for baseball, I think you have to be like a really smart guy 
um, to, like sharp in, in terms of thinking strategically for baseball more so than fantasy football. I don't know if you played fantasy football, but it's, it's a lot less um, involved, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I started playing fantasy football in, in the mid-90s uh, in high school, and I loved it for a while. I had a league with my friends. We'd go every year to a different baseball city for a draft to watch a game for our draft. we watch a game that weekend. I left because I had my own issue with football, and I, kind of, I completely abandoned the sport about four years ago. They still do the league. And, but I, listen, uh, fantasy football has some skill involved, but has a lot of variance. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not saying there's no skill. I'm just saying that baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, but I think to succeed in fantasy baseball, you have to be smart. Yeah, I, be, I agree. It, it is it is such a complex uh, sport, you know, and the NFBC, I mean, explaining, I explain it to people uh, how these leagues work and explaining the five by five roto. It's really easy to explain, uh, explain the different positions, eligibility. That's all easy. But in practice, uh, trying to, be successful and master it is that's where the difficulty comes in. And that's where I'm continuing to try to uh, improve my game, my own weaknesses to get better at it. I think that everyone, everyone that loves this game is uh, you get a lot of a type personalities in this, in this little, in this little community. Uh, just everyone really is competitive and wants to win. And it's, um, and, that, and I think everyone loves it because it's such a, such a big challenge. Yeah. It's, it's an enormous challenge. And, and, um, and I think that, you can't sit on your laurels. You have to constantly adjust, right? You know, how you handle things. So if I, um, I, I noticed that in 2017, 2018, and even going predating that, uh, my pitching was always weak. I, I, I've somehow always ended up with good hitting teams. So I started realizing, well, maybe I'm, I'm, I haven't adjusted. I haven't pushed pitchers up far enough. And then I started doing that and I still wasn't picking the right ones. So then I started, really kind of evaluate, well, what am I looking for in pitchers? And, it, and, and I think in 2018, I overcorrected because I started looking for like, well, you know, let me go for strike a heavy. And I started looking more at focusing on like um, swinging, swinging a miss rate, you know, uh, case per nine and uh, looking at velocity. And I started really looking at it. And I tell you what, in 2018, I had some high strikeout guys. But I also had a horrific ratios, you know. So right. like, uh, that's right. Well, that's not the answer, you know. So I, I got that part down. And then last year, I'm I'm really bummed that it was a short season because I, I created an algorithm, um, to rank my, all all the pitchers, and the algorithm spit out the top three guys in my algorithm that came out last year were, were Kluber, Cole. And Burns. And I got, I ended up getting Burns in four of the six mains. That's awesome. I could not get my hands on Kluber, just, just where I was landing in the drafts. Lucky. I, I, I spent four picks. Not Kluber, I'm sorry. I kept saying Kluber. Uh, my, my top four, my top three in the algorithm were Bieber, uh -huh. Cole, and, and, um, and, and, and Burns, right? But I couldn't get Bieber. I kept landing. I was landing early in the draft. And he wouldn't be back in the round, you know, in the back end and on the second. I did get Cole twice. Cole kind of underperformed overall comparing to what I paid for him. Um, but Burns did not. So, and, and obviously, Bieber was fantastic. So I said, okay, well, is this algorithm any good? And I said, you know, say, I don't know yet. It's just a short sample. So I kept that algorithm the same. And then I said, well, how do I apply it to such a short sample size? Uh, for 2020, right? We're talking about um, 
you know, barely a third of the games. Right. And, um, I made some small adjustments to it, but so I really kind of gambled and I say, you know something? Pitching is such a volatile beast. And I've known through years that I've, I have not mastered in selecting the proper pitchers. So I just gambled and it completely for pitchers. I completely ignored any results prior to 2020. And I just, I just inputted those shortened nine and a half week season into my algorithm and saw where it, li- where it landed. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, that's I, the pitchers I'm choosing to target this year. It could be a complete disaster, so, but that's how I did it. We're, we're hitting. I factored in, I factor in years of data where I weighed them. Um, and that I've made some other adjustments how I weighed it now because it was short season last year. So I took some weight off of that. And uh, I'm happy with my hitting algorithm. But my pitching, did you, did you, um, when you, when you use that algorithm for pitching, did you go back prior to 2019 or 2018, whatever you used for your, I guess it's a projection. Did you go back and test it to see if it would have spit out the right pitchers for 2019, 2018? You mean going back? Well, I, I mean, I just went off of um, uh, a lot of the guys. I had my, my spreadsheet from last year. And a lot of the guys that I just gave those, those are just the particular top three, but a lot of the guys that did well in that algorithm in 20, um, 20, uh, was from 2019 stats did well in 2020. Now there were some that rated pretty high in the top 15 or 20, like Matthew Boyd, that was a disaster. Right. Um, so, you know, things, you know, Matthew Boyd rated really high. Herman Marquez rated really high, but he might be a different beast. Uh, because of the whole course thing, and yeah. it's just a short sample that maybe he would have lived up to it um, relative. Like he was a top twenty guy in, in the algorithm. Now, just because they're top twenty, in the algorithm doesn't mean doesn't mean ain't. It's all I, I weigh that against ADP draft trends. Just because Corbin, Corbin Burns is number three in the algorithm doesn't mean I didn't have him as my third pitcher last year. But I definitely had him. It's all relative to, relative to AD, it's uh, it's an algorithm re- relative to ADP. Correct. So then I, I, I take the, the raw algorithm and then I factor in uh, the, a, the ADP, the recent ADP, and then that, that, that helps me determine the rank. Right. I see what you mean. Um, so um, what sort of, what sort of, um, can, do you want to share any, any, no, uh, no. secret sauce? Uh, of, secret no, sauce. no, I can't, I'm not going to share the secret sauce. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I share the one 2018 that I, I relied too heavily on, on uh, swing and strike percentages velocity and, and, um, and overall like a case per nine, you know, I was trying to think, well, I can maybe that, that way I can factor in some guys are just better at getting uh, at locating pitches and getting call strikes. Right. Right. Uh, that, that was not an effective algorithm. So I, I, I um, inputted some other factors into that and um, we'll see. I, you know, listen, we're, we're going on the ride here, Zach, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to see how that ride goes. All right, all right. So you've done three already, and you actually maybe you don't want to say your pit, uh, the pitchers you're getting a lot because you still got one draft left to go. I still got one draft left. Let me put it this way: there are eight guys this year. Um, now, mind you, the shorter sample size completely uh, skewed uh, the 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 large variance between the top end guys in the algorithm and the lower end guys, right? Right. So, can so, I ask you: is is Zach Plezak one of them? Uh, I can tell you that I'll get to Zach Plezak in a second. Okay. Um, because he, I'm just saying he had like, he had an out, he had like an outlier of a season in 2020 because like right, no, right. No, no, no one thinks he can repeat it. I'll touch, I'll touch on Zach, please Zach. Um, so 
last so my algorithm kind of ended up uh the raw number that it would come out to was like the average starting pitcher was like a 40 okay okay and this raw number before you factor adp and the average reliever uh rated a little higher maybe around 47 48 All okay right. which kind of makes sense most relievers have better quality of their innings correct so um and then, then, you know, most guys fell in that, let's say starting pitcher, most guys fell uh, between high 20s and like, you know, mid 50s, right? But anything over 50 was a quality pitcher. And there were some handful of guys, about um, 15 or so guys that were scored above a 60. Um, and there were maybe about four or five guys that scored below a 20. And then there were three guys that scored a 70 or higher. Corbin Burns had scored a 70. Uh, Cole was 79 and Bieber was 80. Okay. Okay. Now Bieber, I rate, he was, went into drafts as like number six or seven ADP pitcher. I had him as my number three, but again, I, and, and I remember um, there was a tweet by, and I still had, a, I shared with Vlad uh, maybe a couple months ago that he had sent out right after the season started. Who do you have FOMO with? And it was the day one of the season, right? And I said, I, I already responded to his tweet and I saved it. I was like, because I already knew it was like Shane Bieber. I was like, I didn't get him anywhere. I have him as my number three SP. Right. Um, so this year, there were eight guys who scored above 70 on the, on, on the algorithm. All right. Okay. Um, again, I figured the number would be about double because uh, it's just a shorter sample, right? Right. So again, that's why I'm saying I'm a little bit pissing in the wind here where I am taking some big gambles. Now, in saying that, uh, Mr. Plesak, um finished number three in that algorithm with, with an 84. Right. Um, the only guys above him was DeGrom and Bieber again. Yeah, and I'm sure Cole would be one of them. Like, I don't think you're giving much away by saying that DeGrom and Bieber and Cole might have been in that top. Top well, area. actually, I mean, Cole, again, he finished it with a 60-something. Um, because he, I tell you, his season, I remember I owned him on two of my main event teams. His season was good last year, but it wasn't incredible. Right. Okay. Okay. But he had a lot sense. of games where, I don't know if you remember, he was getting pulled like four and two-thirds innings. I say a lot of games. It was a couple. But that's like, you know, that's about 18% of the season, right, when he's getting pulled before the fifth. Right. He's had, he had some rough. I remember one line he had for me, he had five earned runs. Very, you know, I, I clearly remember the line. It was like he was dominating. He was kind of get a little bit unfortunate with defense, and um, but you know, anyway. So the, knowing that um, the 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 you know two of the guys are are Degrom and Bieber, and uh, I'll tell you another one. Since now I know my pick, I'm picking ninth on Saturday, so I won't get him anyway. The third guy that's got first round value. Is Giolito on the algorithm that came out really strong? The algorithm, right? And he's and he's um he's getting taken in the first round anyway. So if you're not it's, taking the first round and he's not in my top nine, so and my other three drafts are over. So I'm I was hoping I was going to get him uh, yesterday at 14. He got he got taken 13th. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm not going to get him. There's a you know that's somebody I feel strong in. Now the other five guys, I bet you Burns has got to be one of them because if he was there last year, he had an amazing year this year. So he's got to be there again. He's not actually. He didn't make it. No way. Close. He's close. He's strong. He's strong. He didn't make it above 70. I'm telling you, his season the year before, uh, he was, uh, I think he was, him and Edwin Diaz were the two unluckiest pitchers in 2019. Yeah. Everything pointed to them being successful. 
and he just did it. You know, like Burns had like an eight ERA, and it just is ridiculous of all the different, at least the metrics I was looking at. Um, right. Now, the other, you know, so Plezak scored 84, and uh, the other four guys on the list, no, the other five guys on the list, was eight total, were between 70 and 75, right? Right. Um, I happened to get, over these last three drafts, I got one piece of each. And I got one piece of please like I set the I set the mint pick. I was I didn't know I was gonna do a, I didn't know I was gonna do a um, fourth draft, and I was not leaving draft season with with any please sack FOMO, and it could it could backfire. But I got please sack last night. Set a mint pick on him, uh, pick forty seven, at least remain at that mint pick. That would and, have been that's in the beginning of the fourth round. Yeah, uh, yep. pick two of the fourth round, mm-hmm. and. Um, and he was my he was he's my sixteenth uh, SP, and um, uh, that's he was the highest rated guy by far on my board, and and uh, that's who I went with. And then the other four guys, they're later guys, they're yeah. later guys, and um, I've gotten all four of them. So one of one one of each, huh? One of each. I've got exactly one share each. Yes. Okay. So, um, I mean, we could do blues clues to figure out who they are, have ideas, but I got one. How, how late are they? Are they, they uh, is, is one of them like at least between 100 and 200 ADP? I don't know. I, I, I can't remember now. I know exactly, but I, you know, cause I do have another draft and these are kind of, these are guys that I would not mind getting a second share of. All right. Does that make sense? So, <clears throat> but yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll see uh, where people fall on, um, on the police sack, you know, He's definitely one that um, is, is very uh, controversial. And now, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk quickly about a controversial hitter, uh, I'm also bullish on is Randy Arizarena. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, yeah that was in, that was in the agenda to talk about um, specific players. So let's let's talk about players. Let's talk about um, there's talk about these sayings that that I'm gonna butcher and you say you're not good at either. If you if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. That's sort of like the player analysis. But then if you teach me, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. That's sort of like the strategy of like the whole like game theory of, of fantasy baseball. So yeah, let's talk about a Rosarina. Teach me, yeah. give, give me a fish. Give me a fish here. So a Rosarina, um, I mean, obviously one of the things that people were saying about him is that like, okay, he had a short sample size last year, right? Right. Very true. Um, I, I put him in, I put him in my algorithm and he graded out just like slightly above average, you know? And, and, and I, part of that was because the algorithm for hitters also takes apart um, plate appearances over the last couple of years. It takes apart a lot of like um, actual, uh, not quantity, not, not, nothing in counting stats, right? right. Uh, but, but as far as quantity- in, in, Exit in velocity, I'm sure. Yeah, there's some stat cast in there. Um, you know, for I'll tell you for Statcast, I'll, I only look at I don't necessarily look at exit velocity that that narrow. I I I factor in two factors. One is barrels because I mean obviously it's it's, it's a stat that if for all those balls they should be a 700 batting average in play, right? Right. Um, and the barrels looks at launch angle, exit velocity, just all that hard work. So I'm not going to reinvent the wheel there. Um, 
and, and I look at barrels kind of to give me an overall, you know, sometimes you don't want to be, uh, what's now I'm going to butcher a saying too, but you don't want to be, um, what's the whole saying by being, the, you know, lost in the, in the tree or in the woods or, you know, you know, exactly. yeah, yeah, you can't see the forest between the trees or something like that. Yeah, you can't see the forest between the trees and, and uh, paralysis by over analysis, right? Right. So I, I do look at barrels and, and, and also I've looked at it and like, it makes sense, right? So when I look at barrels, like I remember looking at it when I first started using barrels in 2018, it was like JD Martinez was near the top, right? Right. It just made sense. And then you see Mike Trout. Then you saw Giancarlo Stanton. And I'm like, okay, I look at these guys and, I, and I've been watching baseball for years, like this makes sense. And then you see somebody like Matt Olson, you're like, ooh, you know, you know, like interesting, right? Because here's here's like, you know, does this guy belong? And he, Matt Olson at the time, I think had like, had a cup of tea, right? He played 60 games, right? Right. So you're like, okay. Um, so I know going to that season, I was very bullish on Matt Olson. I was like, okay, well, you know, did it work out? You know, Matt Olson has been a solid player. He hasn't, he hasn't really exploded, but I, I saw, I said, okay, these other guys make sense. And once again, like anything else, uh, maybe from a poker background, I, I played poker for several years when I lived in Vegas uh, for, for a living. And it, a lot of times you're just trying to push the edges, you know, just because you're a 60, 40 favorite on that flop, you know, it means you're willing to go all in, but you're going to lose 40% of the time. So not every player is going to work out, but you try to find those stats that core, like you mentioned the pitching, like what do those, do the algorithm correlate to the year prior, you know? Um, to find to find successful uh, pitchers, you know, for the, the prior for the following year. Yeah. So I look at so I look at barrels, and then I look at sprint speed. Um, I, I find those very useful. Again, those seem to sprint speed also seems to highlight the guys you would think it would highlight, but it does pick up. Uh, it does sometimes highlight some guys that you you don't expect to be as fast as they are. And then, and then when that does it to me, I, you know, the sprint speed doesn't go into the algorithm, but it helps me identify people and say, well, maybe I should take a closer look at, at player X. You know, why is he rate so fast? Um, and why is he not stealing bases? Yeah, there's a couple of guys like that are under the radar, like Tyler O'Neill's a guy that has amazing sprint speed that just uh, hasn't stolen that many bases in the major leagues yet. Yeah, so, you know, and, and then you sort of looking at this is – is he is he having the stolen base opportunities, which is a good stat to know, look at? Um, is it possible that maybe his way he is in the batting in the lineup, you know, he's got some slow people in front of him and he doesn't have as many opportunities. But if he does have a lot of opportunities and he's not taking advantage of it, then what is it? Is there is is it a team construct? But then you could look at St. Louis and say, well, I don't know, maybe Bader's running, or you know, uh DeJong, maybe he ran something the other day. Like, so it's like, is it a team situation? It, it, is, is St. Louis not running or, or is it, is it, he's not comfortable running? Cause some of these guys are just not comfortable being base stealers. Right. So what's your assessment of Rosarina? Is he going to steal a lot of bases this year? Is that, I think, I think a Rosarina is going to be, uh, I think he's going to run. I think, I mean, I, I, I think he can steal bases in the mid to high teens. And I think that, which I think is very in, in, in these days, right. You get guys that can steal 15 to 18 bases. That's really, uh, valuable, right? Right. And I think the power is legit. I think, he's, I, I, think he's just, I think he's just a freak. I, I, when I deal with the Rosarina specifically, so I, I so a Rosarina was another FOMO guy. I was not going to lose out, 
So I took him four picks before I took Plesak yesterday. So I took him at 44. So that was my controversial 3-4 turn at 44 and 47. I took a Rosarina and Plesak. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I'm I'm on the uh, I'm on the three four turn um, coming up uh, tomorrow. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, once again, I don't know. You might have different opinions on Plesak. Uh, I like Plesak. He won't. He likely won't get there at seventy four. He likely goes in the. He's likely to go in in the mid sixties to low seventies as far as ADP, maybe a little higher. Um, so yeah, forty seven might feel early. But 74, he's not going to be there. So it depends how strong you feel about him. At the end of the day, you want to get your guys, right? So ADP could be used as a tool to know when you need to jump your guys. But but going back to Rosarina, so what I did was different with him than anybody else, and maybe you call it cheating the algorithm, is I looked at his – I inputted his postseason uh, numbers and metrics. That's not, I don't say that's cheating. You know why it wasn't cheating in a way? Because I watched all those games. Okay. So yeah, so did I. He looked great. It was the eye test. Okay. And I'm like, this guy is a monster. And then you look at his his metrics uh that I look at, uh, you know, which is you know, uh, plate appearances, walk rate, K rate, uh hard hit rate, uh soft hit rate. Um and then I look at I also look at uh basic stats that 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 you know, people might think is is you know, rudimentary now as, as far as OPS. Um, and, you know, and I, I kind of put all these things together and I looked at it and it was good in a small sample size. And I had him last year in the main. So I remember, I want, I want one or two of my teams. I remember him thinking, oh, this guy's really helping me out. But in the playoffs, it was even better. And the eye test, so yes. Uh, is it a short sample? Yes. But would it surprise anybody? If this guy's a second rounder next year, wouldn't surprise me if he's a first rounder next year. He could be too, right? I mean, yeah. if, if he turns out to steal twenty bases, oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Like he's he's the one guy that has first round value in in like round four. Yeah, I mean, why couldn't it be? You know, like uh, you know, another guy that could be similar, but you know, is where is where you can't draft the kind of highest Luis Robert. You know, somebody. You know, could I have a guy be the, the next? A big thing in that late first round next year, possibly. Yeah, if he, um, if, he if he maintains that batting average, like that's a 30-30 guy. All he needs uh, is a batting average. Yeah, so I mean that's somebody that you can see. Could he have a, could he have one of those years? Just like you know, it was that one year where Bryce Harper, you know, had his MVP season. It was like, man, then he became a top five pick, right? And then then you know he regressed. You like, okay, well Bryce Harper, what he is what he is is a he's a early to mid second round pick, and that's fine. And that might be what, what where Robert's peak is or something like that. But um, yes, a Rosarina could could skyrocket next year. I, I, will he be a first round next year? I don't know. But I, I feel like the way I draft him, I feel like he's going to uh, return second round value. And that, that that to me is what I'm. That to me, I think is the most likely outcome. And I could be off on that. You know, that's that's the fun of this game, right? Yeah. So you where do you pick to, uh, on Saturday? You nine. It was my nine. second. It was my second choice in the KDS. So you could um, you could potentially go well hitter and then take Robert in the second round if he's there. He might not be. No, I, 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 Robert Robert is not amongst uh, my top uh, twenty five guys. He's right he's right there. Like he was somebody I was looking at. Maybe uh, my second main my first main event I drafted twelve. My second one I drafted second, and my third one I drafted um, I drafted fourteenth. 
I was, he was somebody I was looking for on my second main, which was on Monday. He was in the group of players that, that I was going to maybe take at, at, at 29 or 32, but I ended up going pitcher, pitcher there. Right. And um, <clears throat> what would you say between Robert and Tucker? And I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to release this till we done, till we finished our main events because I'm already, I'm doing one on the 30th. So I'm going to wait to release this pot, this episode until after. Well, after um, I, I have Tucker rated slightly higher. Slightly higher. Okay. All right. I, I, I have, I have Robert slightly higher than so, Tucker. So to be honest with you, until this news came about uh, Eloy, you know, I don't know if you know, he yeah. hurt his shoulder today, right? I saw that. Um, I had my outfield rankings uh, had Tucker in that range. It was Tucker, Eloy, Robert, then a, a Rosarina. Spring, so now, was, Springer, was Springer in there before the injury? Before yeah, Springer was there too. So Springer, um, so I, I give out these numbers too that are not necessarily... Uh, they're not dollar values, you know, for auction, right? Because right. like, uh, but they, 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 they extrapolate, they go much higher in the lower end. So like reserve round guys are still like a $2 and $3. And then the top guy like uh, Tatis and, and Acuna topped that at over 60. And after that was like Soto's 52, Best is 48, but they're not auction values. So in that, in that sense, it was Tucker's at 27. Um, and then... Eloy came out as a 26 and Springer and Robert came out as 25 and Rosarina came out 24. Okay. And what I do with these values, much like anything with the auction values, is they're able to, to help me correlate that across positions to see value, right? So like later in the draft, if I see that uh, Rizzo's on the board, I have Rizzo as a, as a 16 value. Okay, well, what outfielders are left? Oh, okay, there's no outfield left above 17. There's a guy at 15. There's three guys at 14. Uh, there's, you know, a, a third baseman that's a 12 in my, you know, book. So, okay, I mean, Rizzo not only is he's, he's the best value. I already have a first baseman. I did have corner infield open. So then I started evaluating, do I want to take the best available player and, and plug Rizzo as my corner infielder? Or do I want to go for a position that I need to fill and maybe go for um, a 15-rated outfielder? You know, as far as my own war dog values right i got you. Yeah, so, so so to answer that those five outfielders are all tightly joined together i've downgraded uh springer with that oblique and i don't know what to do with the rosary i mean with the eloy yet uh, hopefully i will have more information i downgrade him like i downgrade him substantially for now as a placeholder until i find out more information before my saturday draft I think with Eloy is just like where he's going or where he had been going in these draft champions leagues. I don't know how the ADP has shaken out since in the main events. It's like, I'd much rather have Springer or Ozuna like one round later than take, take um, Eloy in the third. I'd rather have those other, I'd rather just take those other guys in the fourth. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, but right now, like, so, so Ozuna, for example, I have him as a 21. I downgraded temporarily Eloy to a 20. So right now, if I had to draft tomorrow or today, I would take Ozuna ahead of Eloy. Right. That makes sense. Now, that's speak- injury, right? Obviously before that, I was looking at Eloy in that same two, three turn. I was, I was very bullish on Eloy. I just, you know, I had him. Um, so I was, I was, you know, kind of looking at him as an early third type guy. So. Right. So speaking of like the, speaking of injuries and like going back to your pitching for a second, I'm not asking you specifically to name players, but now, how do you how do you um, manage risks, manage like injury risk with, with respect to your rankings? Because I can think of guys like Denelson Lamette, 
and like other injured player, like other players that are dealing with injuries to start the season, like another guy that would probably have great like metrics that would go along with that you think along the lines of like a Corbin Burns would be like a guy like oh, Nate. So Dustin Lemess, a perfect example. I, I, I took him on my Saturday main. I mean, my, yeah. I mean my, the second main, I took him at 11 2. So what is that pick? Uh, 167. That's really late. Uh, I think I think I set the max. So I mean, there's only seven or eight. There's only eight main event ADPs right now, right? Um, I think I set them at the max rate. But yeah, it's hard. I mean, there's no easy answer to that, right? Because you're right, Lament uh, graded out like a 62, which again is very good on the algorithm. Like he graded out as a very good pitcher, and his ADP was high. So all my initial rankings had Lament pretty high, right? Right. Then I had to adjust, and then I adjusted the second time. I acted on the second time, and then I think I overcorrected the second time because I started looking at the spring training news, and it, the more I've been reading prior to this week, it was like you know, there's a good chance he may miss just a couple of turns in the rotation. Right. So at that point, I I, I reslotted him in, uh, but I'm but I am more cautious at that point. I, I thought he was he slipped too far at eleven two. That is pretty late. I, I've taken him once, and it was around that time too, like in the one sixties, just to have a share of him. And I think that team. Let me pull it up because that team is where I went pitcher, pitcher, second and third with uh, Flaherty and Snell, and then I, I had taken, and then I took Edwin Diaz. So I think with that team, I felt um, more comfortable going with a gamble like Lamette. Um, so. That was uh, – I'll pull up that draft now. Flaherty's a guy that I'm sort of um, worried about. I don't know. Um, I, I, I just haven't had the – You're worried about Lamed? I just haven't worried about draft Flaherty this year just because his results this year, his results last year. I just, I, I just don't know if I see second-round value in him. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't – I just um, – Who's this? Who's this? Uh, Jack Flaherty. You know, uh, Jack Flaherty, I'll tell you, um, you're, you're right. I mean – I wish you can. I wish we can. I wish I could have the Jack Flaherty that pitched in like September and October of 2019, right? Yeah. Um, last year he he got off that late start, and then he wasn't like I, I like the first game he could only pitch like three innings, and then St. Louis season shut down for what like three weeks, <laughs> like a third of the season. St. Louis shut down, right? Yeah. And they were doing all those seven inning double headers, so mm-hmm. it was like I don't know, right? Um, you know, at the same time, I, I took him pick 29. And uh, I think Jack Flaherty is number um, 11 guy on my list. And I think he was a 13th or 12th pitcher take off the board. Um, oh, I, I'll give you another thing. So I also factor in to my, I'll give you two ingredients to the secret sauce of the pitching algorithm. All right, I'm ready. That are there that are the ones that are not really that much of a secret, but I obviously innings pitch is, you know, it's not that much of a secret, but I, I, it's very important because it tests it tests durability, right? Okay. And, but the other one is age. Age is a for is a number that gets factored into the formula, and um, you know some guys for years will defy age, right? I mean Verlander, Scherzer to an extent, but Father Time gets them all. So, so um, that tells me that that would um, that makes me think of a person that that um, is sort of a hype pitcher that I that wouldn't fit your build, and that's that guy's name is Drew Smiley. 
because he's older and he doesn't throw in a lot of innings. Yeah, I, uh, but I did get him in uh, – I did draft Drew Smiley. No, I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. I'm just saying that he would – No, I, I did draft him. I, I drafted him. Uh, he didn't rocket up my list. I drafted him in the 16th round on draft – the second draft, the same one I took to Nielsen Lamette. Um, but he, his metrics are good. But he wasn't. Well, he, I guess he's not. He wouldn't be in that top eight because of those two factors for sure. Five. So there you go. That's a, he's not in the top eight. Yeah, uh, age and yeah, age and um, age definitely hurts him. Yeah, because he was one of the guys I was thinking. Because like, okay, I'm thinking Corbin Burns last year is in your top group, and like Drew Smiley could have could have had those could have had some similar characteristics last year to put him there. But that age and age and um, innings wouldn't 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 do it. Yeah, in a. So for like DeGrom, for example, is by far in my eyes, number one pitcher. Like DeGrom scored at uh, 85. Now mind you, Bieber, which is so sick, like uh, uh, 80 was the highest last year among starters. There was, there was four relievers that did higher than that. Um, and then in 2000, 2019 stats. And then this year Bieber was a 90, but Part of that is because Bieber's 25 and DeGrom's 32, right? Right. Uh, it, but so, like, pound for pound, if we take age out of it, like, DeGrom destroys the field. Like, every, I mean, the guy is so elite. But, again, Bieber is uh, right there. He's 25. And he's definitely my – my. Um, I mean, he's my – listen, he's my SP, too. If, if you want to take – I'm taking pick nine. Cole's going to go before him. Uh, Bieber sometimes can go as low as nine, doesn't really go below nine. Um, if Bieber's at nine, he's going to be on my team. Uh, right. Now, if you won't have, have, have any FOMO this year. Now, is, is DeGrom, DeGrom's your number if, one? If, if people listen to this, or you say you're not going to release whatever, whether you release it on time or not, I, I wouldn't be afraid. If people were going to take Bieber, they're going to take Bieber before nine, okay? I'm not changing their strategy on that. And if people were going to, but, you know, if, if I'm trying to bait people to take Bieber before Cole, it's not going to happen either. So, uh, but yes. I'm big on both. And yes, if, if for some reason Cole's a guy at number nine, I'm taking Derek Cole at nine. Right. That makes sense for sure. I'm not going to. I yeah. doubt he'll beat him. In zero chance. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those three guys are, are a step above everybody else. But I, I found from that second group, the, the, the Bauer, Darvish, Nola, Giolito group, it was Giolito that stood out above the rest. Now, then I realized that my algorithm was also somewhat broken because uh, central guys only went against central guys last year, right? Right. That's a big consideration. Well, then I, I, then I had to go out there, and then I decided to slightly upgrade um, NL East and NL West pitchers, okay, because they faced tougher divisions and they faced DHs last year, which they won't this year. Right. I, I, I left AL East and AL West neutral because uh, they'll face some lesser competition, but they'll still have DH versus not DH. Right. And then I also neutral uh, AL, uh, sorry, then I, I ended up washing NL Central to be neutral. You mean AL Central? The N, no, the NL, um, the NL Central I also neutralized because they now have faced tougher competition, but no DH. But then oh, okay. I, AL Central, I double penalized. So I wanted to make sure the sum was zero. So essentially, I upgraded NL East 
and NL West pitchers, and I double downgraded uh, AL Central pitchers. And Bieber was still a 90. Bieber, no. So the algorithm, I couldn't figure a way to do that in the algorithm. Oh, okay. So I just had to, I just had to, I just had to then take them after I factored the ADP to create the ranking. I then had to rejiggle by, by manual and just downgrade the guys. Okay. I got you. You got what I'm saying? So, so then I realized that, okay. But up, up top, it's really hard. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, what am I going to do? Downgrade Bieber to, from two to three? Maybe. But I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to be going third anyway. Uh, but, it, but it does make a difference if that guy is like number 28 and he's um, like uh, Tristan McKenzie, right? Right. And, you know, like, okay, Tristan, and I, I did draft him on one team, so I like Tristan McKenzie. But I was like, well, I can't like him that high. And he's not number number 28. He's much lower than that. But I'm just saying, let's just th throw an example out there. And I'm like, I, I double downgraded him. Maybe I knocked him down uh, five or six pegs. The, the, the longer you go on the list, the higher you drop because because it's um, the guys are much more similar. You know, right, the, I understand. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot more variability between those. Um, yeah, you go to you know, pitcher number eighty-five to pitcher number ninety. There's not much difference, right? But pitcher twenty-five to thirty, there's a gigantic difference in, in the potential potential gigantic if we if we assess our players correctly on on what the quality is. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So. Yeah, and that's how, I mean, once again, I mean, this is a, the other thing is what I'm doing is I am paying a premium for quality relief pitchers. I mean, preferably closers, but there's a couple exceptions uh, because I'm really concerned about the innings pitched for the stars this year. I'm not concerned about guys like DeGrom. If you got DeGrom, congratulations. The Mets are going to put DeGrom on the mound because DeGrom is going to demand be on the mound. Right. Okay? DeGrom's not going to have any limit. He's going to want to go for his Cy Young. Um, you know, guys like Bauer is just a, such a workhorse. That's one thing people always say, well, he's had two good seasons. I'm like, you're right. But you know something? That 2019 season, he's getting you, you know, 200 innings still. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to get you – they might have been elite, but they were still going to help you. Right, uh, right. And, and the weight. So like I had 200 innings of a three, eight or four ERA is much better than, a, you know, 130 innings of, of a, of a three, seven, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it makes, it, it makes a difference. Um, and once again, maybe I'm just throwing these numbers right now. I'm throwing these numbers out. There's going to be a math guy. that's going to tell me I'm way off. Um, but volume matters. And, and how many guys are you going to count on to get you 180 innings this year? Probably just guys in the top four rounds that are going to give you quality innings that are that are that volume. Yeah, and even some of those guys, they're young enough that I don't know if they're going to go 180. Like, I don't even know. I mean, now that Snell is in San Diego and not Tampa, so some of the kids' gloves might be off, but Snell has some injury history. Is San Diego is San Diego's deep, right? They got a lot of guys who can start, okay? Yeah. Is, is Snell going to go give you 180? Eh, I don't know. That's tough. They might do a six-man rotation in San Diego. Yeah, you know, and, and even if it's not an official six-man rotation, guys will then maybe go on the DL to skip a turn, right? So yep. like shoulder fatigue or some type of injury, phantom injury, essentially just it, it's a way for them to preserve innings, especially for a team like San Diego who's um, looking to go to the playoffs, right? right. Um, 
and maybe that's maybe that's one of the reasons why Snell is a third round pick this year. Because uh, on talent, maybe he should be in that group, in the back end of the group, you know, with, with your Castillos and, and Bueller's and Kershaw's and Flaherty's. But he's a little bit lower on that. Yeah, I'd say like on a talent wise, he's talent more talented than Flaherty. I think it's just the yeah, innings are I mean, are what's pushing him down. Innings will push him down. And maybe potential people are worried about a little injury history, uh, which is tied into innings, right? Because obviously if you're injured, not getting the innings. So, um, yeah, I don't know how many guys are going to go. Like, uh, even take take Maeda, right? He's the opening day guy from Minnesota. But he was such – he had such kitty gloves they had him with in the Dodgers, right, that he didn't have any workhorse seasons. And last year – what do you know? It's hard to tell, right? Because everybody only win about 11 starts. If they went on a full round, maybe 12. If they, if they, if they lasted the whole, if they were in the rotation the whole season. Yeah. Maybe Cole led the league with 14 because he had that one extra game. They started the day before everybody else and they pitched every five days. But like, is Maeda going to go away? Because if he does, he's a value. Maeda's, he had an unbelievable season last year. Unbelievable. Him and Pleat, like just like the central, just it irks me. Uh, just something doesn't sit right with me that everyone just did so well in the central. If you'd like all those yeah, top, all the, all the top picks this year Bieber, Giolito, Giolito, Woodruff, Kurt Burns, everyone, Maeda, Power. Yeah. Like if you look at, if you look at Pleasex game log, every single one of his eight games, he had a whip under one. Like if you look at the individual games. Yeah. So, so it's like, Maeda was second on that list with, I think, only one of his games did he have a, a whip over one in that game. So those two pitchers, were like Plezak and, and uh, Maeda, were just unbelievable in terms of limiting base runners. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, one, two, three, four. No, no. Um, five. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Who am I missing? It's in that list. No, yeah, so five of those eight guys are from the central divisions, right? Right. Uh, my eight guys score really high. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that might be wrong. That's why, you know, but what do we have to work off of? Uh, yeah, you can go back. Some people say, well, I'm just going to work off my 2019. But, like, okay, well, you could do that. But you can try to find a way to split the difference. Um, but, you know, I, I could even argue that pitchers themselves, even a full season of 30 starts, you know, 33, if there's really goes the full way, but let's say 30, 28, 30 starts, even that's kind of short sample when it comes to pitchers. Then we are much better at evaluating hitters. Pitchers are yeah. volatile. Um, it's very volatile. Plus, I'm, plus the actual, just the mechanics, of, especially with, with the need for baseball having increased velocity, just the way these guys throw, the motion they throw in, you know, it tends to lend more injuries. Uh, it's hard to duplicate the same exact motion every single time. Like, so they're just creatures of, of volatility. We're hitters, you know, some of these guys could be consistent year in, year out, right? Yeah. And that's, and I think that's what's, um, that's what makes a winning team here is just, you gotta hit, you gotta hit on pitching, whether it's early or late. Some people hit it on it late last year with Corbin Burns. Some people hit on it early with, um, uh, Shane Bieber this year there's a lot of darts well I wouldn't call it darts there's a lot of um, calculated risks that are being taken with pitchers like after I'd say post after, post 150 you got guys yes. like Robbie Ray now that sees TJ Anton yes uh, Freddie Peralta even yes. all these guys are getting some hype 
Yep. Do, you have any, do you have any guys you've been grabbing late like that um, that you that you really think are going to um, provide enormous value? Like, who's the next Corbin Burns? You know, I I um, <laughs> I I, talk, I got I got a share of all of them. I don't want to release those names right now. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, though, I will tweet at you um, Saturday. So you're doing your second draft win on the 30th, Tuesday, yeah. right? Yeah. I will tweet at you. I'm like, Zach, here's my eight guys. All right. And you already have three of them, right? So yeah, you said, you, well, you said B. I gave you, I gave you four. I gave you four already, didn't I? Well, I, you gave me Bieber, DeGrom, please, Zach. And I'm assuming Giolito is one of them. And Giolito, and Giolito. So you got yeah. four. Um, so the other four. Uh, I, mean, I know one more is in the central. Or at least you know, two more are in the central. No, there's, there's going to be two in the central and two not in the central. Correct. Yeah, two more in the central. So I'll give I'll I'll tweet and I have I mean you could go try to figure out my rosters and, and try to piece it together but I mean I take a lot of guys I don't I don't I only I've only seen one of your drafts the one that Jason Justin Mason uh, live streamed. Um, now there's there's one guy that that one, that's the one I have open that one. I I think that I didn't I didn't get any of the guys. All right, so there's two, there's two guys in the central that I, I, got, I got two guys I had two of those guys um in the first draft and then i didn't get any and then i didn't get any of them in the second and i moved the three guys i didn't get i moved them i mean one of them was police second the other two guys i, I moved substantially up my list to make sure i get them so i got them on on yesterday's draft now these guys these guys were starters last year they weren't like relievers turning into starters this year i don't know man maybe okay half and half. <laughs> okay, okay because yeah. Okay. So I listed, I listed a bunch of those, the guys, I listed a couple of guys that I'm, that I'm sort of big on. Like I, I could see taking that next step forward. You don't have to say anything. Another, Wait, give me your list. Sorry. Give me your list of guys. I, the list that I had here, not necessarily my list, but um, Robbie Ray, um, Dylan C's TJ Anton and Freddie Peralta. Those were two, those were the two reliever type guys, the Anton yeah. and Peralta. And then yeah. I got Brad Keller, Domingo Haran. I don't think Brad Keller would be there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can tell you that. Um, well, one of those guys is definitely there. I'll give you one more nugget. One of them is definitely Freddie Peralta. I took him yesterday. I probably have enough Freddie Peralta share, just have one share out of four. Right. Um, hey, I'm not, I'm not releasing this till after the 30th. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm not going to talk to anyone. You got my word. Jay Antone, I rated him. So I do my relievers separately. I did not, just for the reports, when I put my list, when I, I do my pitchers last. So I spent most of um, late January to February doing just hitters. And in the beginning of March, when I started doing pitchers and I spent about 10 to 12 days doing starting pitchers and then another five or six days doing relievers, I did Anton as a reliever. So I, I d- identify all the pitchers at first and I put them in two different pools. Now, obviously things can change, right? Right. Um, but I, I identified Peralta as a starter from the get-go and Anton as a reliever. And now they're just news that came out that he's now going to be in the bullpen. That just came out today. Yep. I saw that before we, before we uh, started talking. Um, but part of that is because I just not, I'm just not a fan of, of Hauser and maybe it's Lindblom is going to lose his job. Maybe Peralta doesn't get there, but you know something last year, the same thing last year around this time before the season started, Corbin Burns was not in the rotation. Corbin Burns didn't even start in the rotation. They kept the first two games. He was, he pitched like three innings, three or third, four innings out of like, he is, is a piggyback for, I think it was Brett Anderson. Could be wrong. Right. Was Brett Anderson on, on the Brewers last year? Uh, yep. 
Yep. And he was piggybacking from Anderson, I think. Um, until eventually he's like doing so well that they decided to give him a starting role, right? Right. Uh, so he didn't start till his last like five or six games, I think. Um, and I felt that same way about Peralta going into the season. And it's still unclear about the Milwaukee's rotation, you know, and there's still a chance of, that Peralta will be the swing man, but talent generally will find a way, especially nowadays with pitchers, most teams probably need six starters. So Peralta will find a way to start. It might not be right away, but when he does, I don't think he lets go of the job. I agree. He just threw 85 pitches in his last um, start. So he's just, yeah. he's just he, man, he's a starter. He's ready. He's a starter. He's, he's, he is starting for the Brewers. I, I heard something about Craig Council pretty much like let the, let the cat out of the bag. He's Freddie Peralta will be a starter. So who, who are they taking out? Is it Lindblom or Hauser? I hear it's going to be Lindblom that's losing his job. That's, that's what, that's what yeah, I heard. But honestly, uh, um, not by that. Lindblom doesn't, doesn't rate out very high either, but I'm not a big Hauser guy. No, I'm not big on, I'm not, I, I he was highly. I'm, big on either, really. I, I, I'm not looking to drop either, to be honest. No, I'm ne- neither am I, neither am I. Um, two other guys that I that I like a lot um, yeah. are Tyler Molly. Um, I don't do the same algorithm that you do, obviously, but I looked at his pitch mix change, and the end of last year he started throwing that slider. Um, his ground his ground ball rate is down, however, but I just really like what he's doing, and um, I don't know when I'm going to take him. Um, being on the turn area is kind of tough, and also Brady Singer. Those are two guys, two other guys from the central that I that I really like uh, for the prices. I, I uh, you know, there, there's, I don't have a share of either one yet. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll have a share of them um, uh, tomorrow. Um, where is, where, let me find our, Mo- Molly, I almost drafted him yesterday. I'm a little higher on Molly than I am on Brady Singer, but you know, I'll tell you, I, I picked up Singer in, in three of my leagues on Fab last year. Like how Fab a lot of times goes, once you have a certain guy at target, especially a pitcher, there's probably multiple teams that need a pitcher. So a lot of times you end up with, a lot of times you end up with a lot of shares of the same guy because of Fab, right? Right. Um, and Singer, you know, Singer graded out as, as an average guy in the algorithm. Once again, this algorithm, take it for a grain of salt. It's very short-sighted. It's probably not even good. And it's going off a very s- small sample. Uh, Mailey graded out substantially better. Where, where is my man Mailey at? Yeah, Mailey graded as an above-average guy, fifty-three on Mailey, right. forty on, on Singer. So I mean, I, I have Mailey, I have Mailey pretty high. I didn't get him. You know, he's he's been he's been getting drafted at a, at a pretty um, high rate. I don't know if he's where he's going in eleventh or twelfth round nowadays in the main. I mean, he's the main sometimes he, earlier he got drafted. Um, his min is one thirteen. Well, that's 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 um that's the eighth round. Yeah. And what's it? What's his eighty? What's his average of those main event drafts? You had that? Um, I had it up. Um, yeah. Had it out right here. We go. Average draft position. I know how we're. Isn't it great that we're just relying on what small sample of just eight drafts? But these are eight very. Oh, it's only seven drafts. Yeah. On seven drafts, we'll go to a pitcher. We'll make this easier for me in Cincinnati. Uh, what is he? Uh, One fifty-two. Yeah. So eleventh round. He's, he's at top of the eleventh. Um. I, I think you know. I think a guy like him, I have him right now one spot ahead of uh, Danielson in my rankings. And I got Danielson at 11-2. So, and I thought that was a value for him. So, yeah, I would grade Molly as, a, as an early 10th, late 9th round guy. 
Right. The other guy that the other there's one more guy that I liked. It's right above him in the ADP. <laughs> um, you probably see it too. I don't know if you, unless you unless you filter just. Oh no, I would I would just Cincinnati. Let me okay. see. His name, his name his name his name kind of kind of rhymes with my Mali, Savali. Savali. Savali's good too. Yeah, he's a guy. Uh, again, another central guy, right? How much? How good is Cleveland? You know, um, I, I got. Um, he's gonna get you innings, Savali. I got two. I got these two title bets in the NCAA tournament. One is like a, a super long shot, so I made these two bets uh, on Houston to win the title at thirty to one, which is actually. It's got a shot. Um, and I bet yep. a title on, on Syracuse at 270 to one. Uh, it's got like no shot. But I mean, it's got like, according to 538.com, it's got a 1.4% shot. Nonetheless, um, if I hit either of these bets, I'm going to go to Vegas in about a week or so and put in some futures. And one of the futures I really like this year, uh, I already got my Mets futures back in two days after the World Series. So I, I mean, that's my homer pick. But I like uh, Indians, there's, there's Indians to win the AL at 25 to one. Yeah, you know, they, I, they always have a good team. They always, they always. I look, I look at that rotation: Bieber, Plesac, McKenzie, Savali. You know the bullpen with Karenchak and Klasse. Like, and and you're still got, <clears throat> you got, you know, still got Jose Ramirez over there, and you know they added Andre Jimenez. They're, they're going to find ways to get you know at bats. For Rosario, Josh Naylor looked like he started stepping up in the postseason. Uh, Rosario is so cheap in these drafts. Like no, no one. So cheap. He's so no cheap. one he wants him. He didn't. Well, he the first draft I was in, he didn't get drafted in my league. So now people are going to pay a high price on. Because the time it, didn't, it wasn't as clear on Saturday, so he's been drafted in six of the seven leagues. But he's actually in the free agent pool in, my, in one of my leagues right now. I'm I'm oh, assuming Sunday he's the he's, people are probably going to put decent bids to get him. I don't think you can probably get him pretty cheap. I mean, yeah, but I think it's going to take, uh, it might take, uh, I think it might take uh, 15, 20 bucks to get them. Okay, yeah. I'm saying 30, 30, you'd be able to land them probably. Yeah, I mean, to really land them, 30 would land them. Like, I'm, like, you know, there's some guys that like, um, I was hoping Sam Huff would be, I took him to the 28th, I was hoping he'd be, the reports don't look good at all on him. So now I have to drop him, but I, I, I'm putting like, there's like three or four catchers that are serviceable that I'm going to put like three, $4 bids on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Catchers, yeah. Are, usually, catchers are usually cheap. So yeah, let's, let's, like, talk, let's talk about, um, uh, we talked about who's going to be the Corbin Burns. Let's talk about who's going to be the Grisham, the Grisham of this year. And a lot of people are saying it's Senzel who's getting pushed and pushed up boards. He, he doesn't, he doesn't even project to get the full-time at bats right now. We don't know. And that's, I think that's, that's, that creates a buying opportunity is players with unclear playing time. And when that clears up, if it's good, then you can really, really make a league winner of that. Do you have any guys that you can that you can tell me that you're that you're in on that you, or that you want? Dylan to Moore, Dylan Moore. Yeah, I think he's undervalued. He's still going pretty high. He's like just out, just, I mean, just after hundred. I mean, I guess I mean I don't know how far how far down did Grisham go last year? Like two fifty ish. I don't know what like when the when the when the That's main event happened, he might have got pushed up a bit more. And yeah, Dylan Moore is going in in the he's going. 100 plus, but what is he? Let's see. Maybe, maybe, like, put it this way I'm going to have to take him on the 7 8 turn if I need, if I want him. Um, Dylan Moore is going uh, 129. Yeah, so he's going um, in the ninth round. So you want somebody later than that? 
um, if you want to. Well, well, I mean, the guy that um, I, I ended up jumping, I, I, I once again, the, the drawback of my first draft, and, and um, again, I didn't want to do draft champions because um, I don't have an edge there. I feel, I really do feel like my edge is fab and in-season management. I feel like fab has a lot of similarities to poker. It's a lot of similarities to gain to know opponents, gain to know cognitive biases. And, yeah. and I, I know that, again, the second time I'm mentioning Vlad, he calls himself the fab whisperer and likes to, to copy and paste the things. But um, there is some, I think, there, and, and Scott Genstad likes to do a lot of, he also talks about his fab biz that, that work out really well. And I, I really do believe that's such an un, um, underrated skill and I only do, so I, I decided to only do fab leagues because that's where I think you can really push an edge. Um, and just, and, and just, and just know, seeing, seeing what your opponents are bidding and just sort of get the feel for each individual. Get a feel, and you just kind of get a feel for, um, say I like to work on my fab. I start working on my fab already on Tuesday. Okay. Okay. And then I adjust a little bit every morning uh, depending on the results the night before. And I have my own kind of, depending on how high the bid is, my own kind of, uh, I mean, I guess we call it an algorithm of how I adjust, how I value certain stats, how I devalue a bad stat or a guy that didn't play or something else happened. Because I know, I've kind of realized like what that means when people start looking at stats over the weekend, like, man, this guy just hit two home runs the last three days. I know what that means to another person's psyche. I don't know, I'm sorry. I am hypothesizing what that means to somebody else's psyche and in fact, right into knowing I bump more. But then if I see the guy has now gone one for nine over the last three games, right? Right. I can start, I can start cooling off my initial impression of how much, how much I value that guy in fab. And then, and then also a lot of it has to do with um, your position in the standings, um, the people you're battling, especially late in the season, August, September, fab is very limited, right? Right. A lot of guys are going into the last month with 80 bucks a fab, 90 bucks a fab, 40 some guys. Some guys may still have 220. So you have to know your opponents and, and where you're chasing, especially if you're chasing for a league prize or the, the league win. Um, and you can see in the categories that they're looking at, well, what's this guy going to be looking at? Well, he's really close in, uh, in Ks, and he's probably not going to pay attention as much in runs, and I can maybe catch him in runs, but he's in a cluster of three or four guys in Ks. I can't change that, but I can know that I can maybe catch him sleeping. But if I see that we're both fighting, it's obvious that we both need those runs and we're competing against each other. And there's a, there's a, a new leadoff hitter in Texas, you know, um, I just got called up and, and now he's, he's going to be valuable for runs and stolen bases Then I know that I need to like really up that bid and, and relative to what, would I think he'd be comfortable bidding? So I don't know. When you're when you're drafting in the Cafab League, like in a main event, are you are you um are you, are you considering like as you build your team that I know that I that these stats or positions become more readily available on waivers? So say like I can get stolen bases or I can get home runs on waivers, so I can I can I can leave the draft light on saves. Um no, and I tell you what, I've been trying to um I don't like, I normally don't count stats during a draft, um, but I've been count, all three drafts I've been counting stolen bases, every pick. Even if the projection is like 
um, two stolen bases for, you know, my first baseman, right? Right. I'm counting them. And I'm trying to get to, I know that I could pick up, I know that I, I, I can leave the draft. I know throughout the season, there might be somebody to pick up and you can find different ways to add some steals through fab, right? Uh, but I'm trying to get to 100 at the end of the draft, uh, just among my starting 14 hitters, my first 14, as if it's like almost if it's like an auction. I'm trying to get to 100. And I think I've gotten to 100 twice, and one I got to 91. And the other ones I barely got, I got like 100, 102. So I'm not trying to like destroy it. I'm also trying to balance it out too, you know, like I think Mondesi could be a monster. Uh, but I, I don't know if it was Phil Dussault who said that um, it's so it's so hard to roster him because he you can't you have to essentially build your entire roster around him because you don't want to win steals by twenty yeah right but then if you if you factor him in to get what they say is a top you know one twenty five is a number to get to be in the top eighty percentile and you're factoring him for sixty or 55 or 60, and then he goes down, you might have a last place team or a second to last place team in stolen bases, right? Yeah, like he's such an unprecedented skill set that we've never seen before in fantasy because you've seen guys that have gone 20 home runs and 50 stolen bases. Like you have like Eric Davis doing that or like Han- Hanley Ramirez back in the day, but you've never seen a guy that's going to hit, hit you like 15 home runs and steal 50 bases, but they're only going to hit like 240 with an OBP under 300. Like that's just not heard of. So, and plus he's never played a full season before. So like, I'm not saying I know the answer, but I'm saying that like winning a team with Adalberto Mondesi is not a sustainable thing for your future in fantasy, because like the player like him is not always going to exist. No, I mean, look, I'll tell you one thing though. Um, As far as, like just because you rank a guy high doesn't mean roster construction is really important, right? So Mondesi, I have him in a little grouping uh, that's right at the top of the second round, okay? Okay. Now, saying that, I picked already 12 and 14. So, uh, I mean, on the back, I haven't take, I, I didn't take Mondesi at 17 or 19. I think once he wasn't there and once I just didn't take him. Um, just because he's in the grouping, depending on how the roster or how the draft breaks out. But here's a guy that on Saturday, when I'm picking 20, where am I picking? Ninth and then uh, ninth and what am I picking? 22nd in, in the second round? Yeah, right? That makes sense. Yep. So I'm picking 22nd in the second round. Here's a guy that, depending who I take in the first, right? I can, I can think of two guys. If I take him the first and minus on the board in 22nd, I'm taking minus. And that is Mike Trout and Shane Bieber. And then I'll worry, like if it's Shane Bieber, I'll worry about power after that. Right. But, you know, if it's Trout, then I just feel like I've really attacked hitting. Like unconventionally, right? It's almost like taking – like my last draft, I, I got Yellick and Lindor. It's almost like taking Yellick and Lindor, you're just taking it on much uh, two different extremes when you, when you combine. I'm not saying that the stats combine the same, but it's the same principle of Trout and Mondesi, right? Right. So um, those two guys. But like if, if my first pick is Trey Turner or if something really funky happened and like a big, you know, a guy like Giolito sneaked in the top eight or, or you know, 
or Tra got pushed up and Turner got pushed up and and so did Colin Bieber and, and, Mike, and Mookie Betts fell to nine, which is really doubtful, but it's not like completely out of the world. Um, then no, I'm not taking, I'm not taking uh, minus in the second round. It doesn't make sense roster construction wise. That makes sense to me. Because then what are you doing? Are you literally avoiding uh, those uh, 10 stolen base guys to get, to get the two stolen base guys that can add you three more home runs? The answer should be yes, but then it's, it's very difficult to do that um, midstream in the draft in the later rounds, right? I saw I saw a board posted on Twitter. If, I honestly forget who who posted it, but I just saw it. They started with Trey Turner and Mondesi, and then there were some other things that happened throughout that draft. But everyone, um, everyone that was commenting on it was just like, "What are you doing?" Like, but they were they were, they were pretty, pretty brutal about it. I would not do that, you know. So like, so Mondesi has to be the right fit. Like, I thought about going. My plan. I had taken Yellick in the 12th pick in my first draft. So when I had 14 in my third draft, my plan was, hmm, this would be a nice time to go Freddie Freeman and Alberto Mondesi. Right. That's what I was thinking. Like, this would be a nice time. Because I'm big on Mondesi, but it, under the right roster construction, right? Or Giolito and Mondesi. I said, like, you know, I, I'll do it. But Freeman and Giolito both went before pick 14. Um, so I ended up with Yellick and Lindor. But... Um, I just want to see. So I'm looking at Mondesi's min pick, or his, or actually his max. Even in the first round of one of my drafts. Let's see him. Ooh. For, yep, he went in the first round. He he doesn't last past pack past pick 26, so he's going so, pretty so early. He he might. And what's his overall ADP? Is it like 19, 18? 19. Yeah, so he's the kind of guy that might be there 22nd uh, on Saturday. Yeah. And if if he's there, and my first pick was Bieber. Or trout, which are two guys that go. Uh, that's probably fifty percent, if not more, of the possibilities. Who's going to be there to pick nine for me? Is Bieber or Trout? Then that's the kind of guy I would love to team up with Mondesi. And then I can then easier to avoid speed guys. Like you know, I, I've taken guys already. Like I've taken Dylan Moore. I've taken John Birdie. Uh, I've taken Adam Eaton late in the draft, right? So I've taken guys specifically looking for some speed. Where if, if you get Mondesi, then you could just pick up that just like good hitters there got some speed without having to look for more speed specialists. Right. Yeah. You can you can afford to just go for like some of the guys that are going to get you those like even average back um, later, like an Alex Dickerson or yeah, like, Dickerson. Instead of going at me and you can go Alex Dickerson. Yeah, exactly. Which is which you feel like he's he's a much better player. It looks it seems like but. better player. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. So and. Um, so that's, that's a perfect example. And, and you see a lot of those, um, especially in the outfield, because the late guys in, in, um, in the middle infield, on the corner infield, none of those guys are running. I mean, like first baseman, the late first baseman, or yeah. late third baseman, none of them are running, right? Exactly. Except for those multi-positional guys. But the, some of the middle infielders, most of them, they might run a little bit, but there's not really great bats. But where you see the difference is there's those uh, rounds – you know, 15 to 25 outfielders, they are really specialized, right? So a guy like Dickerson is just a better bat at this point than, than a guy like uh, Eaton. Or Straw. But, but, you know, or Straw, right? But Straw's going way too early for my liking. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he was more of a post-300 guy for me, but now that he's, like, in the low 200s, no way. Not yeah, I, <clears throat> yeah I, I, I'm not drafting uh, Miles Straw. Not only is he going to drag you down in three categories, he might not keep that role. Yeah, I don't you know. Yeah, I, I'm not touching them. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so in that sense, outfield is, it really is outfield every, it's feel like every year. You can, it's like the outfield has everything you need. It's got power with guys that got no average. It's got guys that are just good average hitters, right? Like, I mean, you got a guy like Brandon Nimmo. I don't have any Brandon Nimmo shares, but if you're somebody that you're thinking that you feel good on power and you want somebody that's going to help you in your average, you go with Brandon Nimmo. He's going to help you. He's likely going to lead off for the Mets. Yeah, they so never made any ads. They well, they got what's his name? Um, uh, sorry, what were you saying about it? They they just add, they only added um, Marisnik. That's all. Or as you know, no, he's, he's cuts. He's cuts. They, they, he's no, cuts. they added um, Pilar oh, and, Pilar. and Almora. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. No, Pilar might take some games against left-handers. That's probably why Nimmo's uh, a lot much. You know, was Nimmo? Nimmo should be about a late two hundreds guy. Let's see. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think people people are a little bit afraid that he's not going to play every day. He might like if he's two ninety three. So Nimmo's two ninety three. What I'm saying is that come that draft, come at that point in the draft in round twenty. Yeah. You know, do I need runs and average with a little pop and maybe a little speed? I want Nimmo. But if I need, I need a speed guy. He's not the guy. If I need just a power guy, he's not the guy. Right. So you, you gotta know. But but he's the kind of guy like a like you mentioned Dickerson. He's a good hitter, Nimmo. So, you know, if you don't need something specific, he's the kind of guy that can help you a little bit in the categories. Right. But I think someone like me might be a little bit um, turned off of a Nimmo type because like you, you, you set your lineup Monday through Thursday. There's a good chance that he sits two of those days or not, maybe not a good chance, but like some of those weeks, you could be playing half the, half the games because he's not going to sit against any righties. True. So if, if you see a line, if you see him playing righties all weekend, he's going to play um, I do think Pilar is going to play a decent amount against lefties, but uh, now Pilar is a guy that's getting dropped. I would not touch Pilar. No. no. But um, but it, it could also mean that Dom Smith is sitting. It could I also was going to ask you about him. What are your thoughts on him? Um, Smith. I love Dom Smith. Uh, it also it also means Pete Alonso sitting. Um, and also you also think, and there's also like a there's a non-zero percent chance. That on March 30th or 31st, they announced the DH in the NL. Right. That's valid. it's a non-zero percent chance. They announced last year. It, it, now with the Zach Gallon injury, um, you know, there's definitely a non-zero percent chance on that happening. Uh, Dominic Smith, there is some playing time concerns because if he can't adjust to left field, uh, and assuming that Alonzo's bat um regresses or I guess the opposite of regresses somewhere goes back to somewhere the middle of what he did 2019 and 2020 you got to play P Alonso pretty much every day um so there could be some questions about playing time for Dom Smith but as far as uh I'm, I'm a big Mets fan as far as hitting wise and the eye test and looking at, at the player Dom Smith in my opinion is the best hitter on the Mets oh no now Lindor I take that back okay I mean, I've just got Lindor now, right? I'm not even used to having Lindor, right? I've seen him in spring training. I need to see him in person, right? Um, but Don Smith, he's got a swing that reminds me of like peak Adrian Gonzalez, uh, peak Will Smith, Will Smith from uh, the old Giants. Will Clark? Will Clark, not Will Smith. Yeah, Will, yeah. Geez, the Will Smith's now in Major League Baseball. <laughs> but now I try to put, yeah, Will Clark. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, he's just got this just Wally Wally Joiner, um, effortless left-handed swing. 
Uh, Sean, really Sean Casey. And, and, and I saw one. There was I don't think a swing is like that, but I did see one video where they just showed one swing side by side of his swing and Ken Griffey Jr. No, no, I'm not sorry, I can't mean uh, Barry Bonds. And it, it was like it did look pretty close, but but I, nonetheless, his swing is great. He's seeing the ball and he's driving the ball. Like you could see him kind of miss a pitch last year and he still drives it to like uh, over the center field wall or drives it to a deep double in center field. Like he's not going to the, to the, he's not trying to, he's not like he's out there hitting the pesky pole in Fenway. He's driving the ball to deep center, deep right center, uh, even go a little bit, you know, even going opposite field as well. So I'm a big fan, but I am concerned about playing time because I'm concerned about his glove in, in, in left. Very concerned. Right. And the, the NFBC is a different beast, which I learned last year. Playing time is very important. It's not like a daily yes. league where you can push uh, some people in and out. Let me ask you, let me ask you one question before we get to our rapid fire questions that I sent you yeah. that, that I want to ask you. Now you did a draft um, that, I, that we're we, pushing, we, we got six fifty three. We had to finish this up, right? Yeah, we, we, this is our ten questions in one minute. After this, but I, right. I do want to ask you one. I'm I'm glad I didn't make a joke of this because there's a team in your league, team one, that was drafting next to you that drafted like Sale Severino and Syndergaard. Sale Severino and Syndergaard. I saw that drafted every and then a bunch of like and minor league players. Who did right. That. Well, before you say anything, I just I'm in a chat with a bunch of other people and they said that guy had has passed away. He passed away before the draft. He was on, was he on auto? He passed away before the draft. Well, that's what that's what um my friend Matt Williams or is said that he that he heard that um the guy who auto drafted Thor, Sale, and Severino died before the draft started. I didn't, I didn't it didn't show an A next to his name at all during the oh. pick. Oh, okay. Well, that's what he said. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who the guy guy's name was. Um, was it like? Let's look at it right now. Let me look at the team. Um. Draft. That was my draft yesterday, right? No, my draft two days ago. Yeah, I think it was two days ago. Yeah. Is it Bilton? I don't know who this guy is. Last name is Bilton. Yeah. They say he died. That's terrible. That's what um apparently the they that's what they heard. Um, like it's un- unconfirmed right now, but that, that's that's too bad. I was going to ask you about that team because it was just um you don't you don't typically see all three of those players go, but even like. The where he where he drafted Wander Franco that wouldn't have even been an auto draft I don't think I don't think like Wander Franco even even has an ADP that high, but anyways that's um something to that's unfortunate if that happened but um it's, not, it's unconfirmed right I don't now. know I don't know if it was auto draft was it I mean is Karinchek uh, uh the number uh sixty one player in auto draft I don't think so I don't think so either because he took Karinchek in the in the first pick of the fifth round his number is pick sixty one hmm that's yeah that's 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 strange. So is, is, would Andrew Vaughn be the last pick of the 12th round in auto pick? That's 12 times 15 is less than 200. So no, I don't think, I don't think so. So that maybe that'd be, that'd be pick exactly 180. Andrew Vaughn cannot be number 180 on auto pick. No. Yeah. Um, now perhaps, I don't know, maybe somebody passed away and somebody else was drafting for him. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, this is the first I heard of that. I, I, hopefully, this guy is alive. I don't know. Hopefully, um, I, I hope I hope so too. I hope this is um, I hope this is incorrect information I'm getting. So let's 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 move on to a happier time and yeah, let's let's yeah. look at let's look. I got some before we go. I got some rapid fire questions for you. Ten questions, hopefully in one minute. You, you don't. You can elaborate if you want to. So, in a draft, diversify or get your guy. Get your guy. 
I, I, and just try to get your guy. If you're going to get him more than once, I keep track of when I got him and I try to get him later because I'm jumping the field too much. And if I don't get him later, then I'm happy I got a share of the guy. Uh, but go get your guy. Okay. Um, so my, my game, multiple shares of, of the same guy. All if right. I believe pa- in him. Pocket aces or five category studs early in the draft? Uh, five category studs. All right. JT Romuto or bargain hunting at catcher? Bargain hunting at catcher. Well, because right. JT Romuto is kind of hurt. I don't really know. I can't mess with him. All right. All right. Mike the mouth, more bark or more bite? Uh, it depends if he's, if he's been fed or not. <laughs> all right. Um, NFBC pride or NFBC prizes? So the money or the pride? The former. Okay. Same. Um, main event title or Nets title? Um, both. You can't pick both. Can't pick both? No, you got to pick one. Um, I, want, I, want my, I want my, oh man, I don't know. I really, I really, want, I really feel like, <laughs> I really feel like the Nets title can very much happen this year. Um, and I want it. Uh, main event title, uh, odds are it doesn't happen in my lifetime. So I don't know. I guess since the main event title is more rare, I guess I'll go main event title. Right on. Okay. Um, LeBron or Kobe? As far as what? Um, as far as liking the guy? I never thought about this. I, yeah, I guess in terms of, uh, no, who's, who's a better player? Who's a better player? LeBron's a better player, but I, I, I'm not a LeBron fan. Okay. Canada or Mexico, if you had to take a vacation? Mexico. All right. Damn. All right. So you're not coming here on vacation? No, I, I mean, I actually been, I haven't been to Canada since I was a kid, but I've been to Mexico a bunch of times. I mean, the spring break, I had many great memories of Mexico. All right. All right. Um, okay. Um, you're talking about um, if you wanted to get a, an expansion or a, a contracted franchise um, put back on the map, Montreal Expos or Seattle Supersonics? Uh, Montreal Expo. I love those uniforms. All right. And I got one more that I, I got one more that I didn't, okay. I, that I didn't have. This is, this is putting you on the spot. Garnett Pierce or jo- and Joe Johnson or Harden Durant and Kyrie better, better super team. I'm sorry. Who the first week Garnett Pierce and who Joe Johnson. Um, listen, I mean, is that even a question? I mean, James <laughs> Harden is not only here's a hot take. And a spicier take. A hot take is James Harden is the best player on the Nets, even, even when all three guys are healthy. Here's a spicier take. As of right now, as March 2021, currently at this moment, James Harden is the best player in the world at basketball. The best player at any team. He is the best player. And if you don't believe that, Go look at what the Rockets are doing now and go watch the Nets play right now with all the injuries they have and just watch what he does. His BBIQ is through the charts. Um, in 2019, he, he was, when he wants to score, he can score. He, back-to-back years, he scored over 34 points a game. First guy to do this is Jordan. Only Jordan and Wilt have done that. He can score if he wants. In 2019, he also had uh, eight of the top 10 highest scoring games in the league. And this year, he's leading the league by assists by over two assists. He can do it all. He is incredible. And his defense over the last couple of years has been much improved. Um, so the whole thing about everybody keeps 
going back to some gifts of him in 2015 in the playoffs when he's running around like, like a chicken with a head cut off. That's not the same Harden right now. And at this, is it Harden the best player, best resume in the NBA? No. Is he better than LeBron as a career or KD or these guys? No. Is he the best player at this current moment? Absolutely. That's my spicy take. So on that, Zach, I'm about to watch the Nets play shorthanded against the Jazz. All right, I'm I'm on the clock here at the, on my draft right now, so I gotta go. Thanks for uh, thanks for um thanks for coming on, War Dog. You can you can uh, follow him at I am the War Dog on Twitter. So give him a follow. And yeah, I really appreciate you talking the main event. And good luck on your main event on Saturday. And I will talk to you later. All right, brother. All right, later. thanks again.
could clone Bauer's identity. It would be nice if we could trust the ground. When will Brady Singer, Yates, and Flaherty be done? I'm just a streamer. I stream John Gray away. I'm just a streamer. I stream my family. the street.